I have with me today John Dennis Smith to, to do our latest in the series for our podcast to mark the fourth edition of Wilmot Smith on construction contracts. John was one of the prime movers in Chapter 21, Litigation. For those of you who are watching this, I'm holding up the, the book uh, and uh, uh, giving it that sort of proprietorial feel. John's going to discuss with us the principal changes in the book between the third edition and the fourth edition in relation to litigation. John, do you want to just uh, give a big picture? Thanks, overview? Paul. I think looking back over the last few years, the main changes in the TCC, which is what Chapter 21 focuses upon, um, have been in relation to pre-action conduct, including forms of mediation and ADR, uh, disclosure, in particular under the uh, Disclosure Pilot Scheme, the DPS, uh, costs, uh, above all, including in relation to uh, management and budgeting. Um, there is, of course, one thing that's happened um, since we got this uh, chapter well underway, which is COVID-19, and that may or may not um, have um, its own changes to come. Um, but that's something that's very much uh, uh, a work in progress. And uh, the TCC obviously thrives. Um, the, the bad old days of... Uh the poor days of the court have long, long gone, and we have now bespoke procedures, and the TCC is very much at the cutting edge of procedure. Um, is there anything that you've picked out by way of trend? For example, one of the things that I think is, is interesting is that the court is used much more on a dip-in basis by parties, part eights, uh, people trying to get answers to discrete questions, rather than the blockbuster trials that uh, used to happen in the old days. Annual reports from the TCC are quite interesting in that respect, that most trials are now much shorter than a week and two-week trials happen. But the, the sorts of trials that you pick up happened um, in the 80s and even in the 90s uh, just don't seem um, to happen anymore. There was nothing quite as good as being the seventh third party, I can tell yeah. you. Well, third parties are an issue uh, which, which do uh, step in uh, because uh, where the more parties you have, the more likely it is that you're going to have to go to court to have some sort of structure uh, to the proceedings. But the starting point in every sense is that the, the courts have tried to get the parties to sort themselves out with as little court intervention as possible, but also at little cost. And there's been a little bit of a movement on that front because, um, as many people will know, that there's a pre-action uh, protocol system. And what happened, if you look at the bespoke TCC protocol, is that it's been slimmed down um, since the um, previous version. Um, there was a concern by court amongst court users that the uh, first form of the TCC protocol was causing a sort of mini-trial process without adjudication, and that this was becoming expensive. Um, and there were arguments that if a party hadn't set out in great detail its case, that there should be a stay um, or there was an abusive process somehow to bring proceedings. And what's happened instead is that the TCC protocol now makes clear that if you don't comply with the protocol, it may go to costs, but it doesn't become a reason to um, slow down the uh, quick process of going to trial assuming that one does get to trial, and that one only has to put an outline of one's case um, to the other party. And there have been a number of changes which have come in, uh, which are, for instance, the protocol referee procedure. Now, there's some uncertainties of how much that's actually been put into practice, but there is this procedure under which the parties can apply 
to uh, the chairman of the Technology and Construction Solicitors Organization, sorry, Association, that's TEXA, for the appointment of a protocol referee. And the job of the protocol referee is to make decisions which are temporarily binding um, on what parties should be doing by way of pre-action um, compliance. Um, so that's one step that the, the courts have tried to take to um, head off um, courts cases going all the distance. Um, and there's another form, which is um, early neutral evaluation. That's been around for a bit of a while, but um, E&E um, is now dealt with in the, the TCC guide, which um, we were promised was going to be updated um, but doesn't yet seem to have come out of the chrysalis um, in its latest form. I suspect that's COVID-linked. Well, what's interesting is that you have this provision for um, early neutral evaluation by a TCC judge, um, and that person will give directions for that process. And the idea is that you get uh, an evaluation by that judge as to what that judge thinks of your case. Now, strangely enough, there's some authority, and that's in the book, um, referred to in a case called Lomax versus Lomax, um, that at least in respect of E&E, the courts may actually compel a party to take part in that. Um, but the TCC guide itself doesn't seem to take that view. Um, so one suspects they wouldn't do that. Low max yeah. the family And you can understand. That That's right. And you can understand why they would take that view. You, in addition to E&E, you also have another thing, which is um, a process of mediation, uh, the court settlement process. Um, and that is uh, a TCC judge acting as a mediator. So that person will give uh, directions as a mediator um, and the parties bear their own costs. They share the court costs of the process as well. Um, so the settlement judge can express a view on the merits during what's called the court settlement conference. And that's quite useful to know about. And what we don't yet know from the annual report is just how often those things are being um, called into action. Well, of course, they were the brainchild of Judge John Toolman, the late Judge John Toolman, well ahead of their time and well resisted for a whole package of reasons. It's very interesting that that now comes around. Mm. I think ADR is being much more embedded in the judicial system. Talking about civil procedure generally, and of course, as construction lawyers, we now have the, the jump on civil procedure because Lord Justice Coulson is now the general editor of the White Book, so genuine power to the construction lawyers. But the reality is that the CPR um, has calmed down with particular pockets of activity. Isn't that right? On the one hand, you've had the disclosure pilot. You've now got the new rules about witness statements. Um, what's the trend as you see it? Well, on the witness statements, France, um, I think we're going to have to wait to see what actually happens um, in practice because um, there are plenty of um, decisions out there where a court will say something about witness statements and the fact that the, uh, the witness seems to have signed a witness statement without necessarily paying much attention to what it said. And you get that actually in commercial court cases um, with names of people who have made a lot of money in um, other jurisdictions, but who are fighting cases here in England and Wales. Um, but what you don't have is the outcome of a court actually saying, well, we're not going to pay any attention to a, a witness's evidence because of um, a non-compliance in that form. So you're going to see over the next few years, for the next edition, which you're obviously well signed up, you're going to see the courts yeah. working yeah. through these yeah. ideas, I aren't mean, you? There's a decision um, by Mrs Justice Cockerell um, in a case whose name I cannot recall at present, um, in which she gave a lot, she, 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 she went out of her way, almost literally, um, to spend a few paragraphs on the importance of um, statements of truth in uh, in, in um, 
state of case. Um, and you can imagine the same sort of thing going through um, in respect of witness statements. Um, now, and what about experts? in terms of... The court's approach to experts? Because the, there's been a bit of a feeling, hasn't there, that the TCC's been quite hard uh, on experts. One of, one of the things that's happened is that judgments have got longer and longer. And one wonders why. One suspects it might be, in part, because the fewer decisions a judge actually makes in the form of a judgment, the longer the judgments they are going to give on the ones where there is a judgment. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a little Human bit of nature abhorring a vacuum, although they're very hardworking. So um, one, one thinks that they wouldn't want to be doing this. But the effect of this is that you now have a, a sort of almost like a, uh, a, a sketch in uh, the 19th century. They used to have this fellow called Spy, and there are lots of judges who have caricatures by this person. You now seem to get something like that in judgments. Every expert will be introduced by the judge. And the judge will say something about that person's evidence and give reasons for why that judge is going to prefer someone's evidence over the other. And one of the dangers in that um, is that you have a situation in which an expert has a rather bad experience in one case. And the question then is, well, to what extent does that then dictate how the future judges should look at that expert in other cases? They very often won't get the chance because the parties will Google them. It'll come up on Bailey. And I mean, one of the things is that if a judge whacks an expert, that expert's career is at best yes. damaged. Yes, there is a case, again, I don't have the name, but I think it's in the chapter, in which um, Mr Justice Ramsey, as he then was, so a few years ago, actually had a moment like this in which he said, well, someone has, I don't think he said Googled, but he might as well have done, um, what a particular expert on the other side had, had, had experienced in a previous case. And then rather, rather nicely and usefully um, said something like, well, that was another case and we can't spend our whole lives um, deciding what we think of an expert based on what somebody said about that expert in a previous decision. Um, so there is something of use there, but you're right. You know, if you see that an expert has been given an absolute shellacking, um, then uh, you, you, you're going to wonder how you can justify to the client going ahead with that expert on this one, particularly if you might get the same judge. Very interesting. I think we are going to see quite a lot of judge-made law because they've got the disclosure pilot, they've got the new rules on witness statements, they've got the attitudes to experts. And I think you're right also, matter of human nature, and I intend no discourtesy to the judges, but when you've got comparatively few opportunities to write judgments, you take opportunities that otherwise you might not yeah. if you're doing them every day. So I think that's really very interesting. I think where the TCC fits in the Bidders to Property Court is going to become interesting as well. But that will all be for our next edition. Um, and I, I commend Chapter 21 to readers because it's a usable, manageable summary. It doesn't have the detail of the white book, but it captures the, what we think are the key points and key developments in the area of the work in which we practice, focusing, as I say, on the TCC. So, John, thank you very much indeed for your hard work on that, and thank you also for coming along to talk to me today. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>